everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 47, where we're discussing Doctor Strange. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Troy. And we're recording on probably one of the most important days in American history right now. Ooh, what's happening? They're currently deciding their next president, or emperor, however you want to put it. <laughs> American Idol style. I think they should have had Trump and Hillary sing a tune. Simon could have, uh, you know... Gave his feedback, and then they could have had the results show. This is literally the season finale of America. Right <laughs> yeah, it's going down. Just X Factor and how the X buttons going all at once. <laughs> by the time you guys hear this, the vote will be over. The dust will be settled. This whole ugly, bitter election will be done. I don't whatever. think so. I think it's still drag on. We'll see. But one thing that continually comes to my mind is a quote from Revenge of the Sith, mm. actually. It's from Padme. Okay. And she says, so this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. So think about that. <laughs> America people are watching. The world is waiting. We'll have an answer at some point here. Hopefully there's not a civil war or something crazy like that. Well, yes. you know, you know, they say like when you have a crazy leader, you know, when times are bad, that's when you always get like the best art, right? Like you have the craziest like politicians, you have like, you know, all the best like comic books and stuff. So, I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, it's not all doom and gloom people. No matter what happens, we'll all be here on Thursday and just remember, <laughs> maybe you know, you know Tim's, Tim's a little worried. You know, I have faith. I have faith. I just keep imagining myself signing up for the rebellion here in the next couple of days. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're here to discuss the 14th Marvel Studios film since its inception in 2008. And it's Marvel's first step into the mystical, magical realm of comic book movies. Mm-hmm. And it had a huge opening weekend, scoring almost $85 million domestically, Whew. raking in $325 million in the last two weeks globally. Impressive. Well, so they've already broke even, probably. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah. And this, yeah. this tops openings for Incredible Hulk, The wow. First Avenger, Iron Man, and Thor. Nice. Wow. Nice. So it puts it in front of all the other origin stories for the majority of Marvel's characters, with the exception of Iron Man. Mm -hmm. It's impressive. That's really impressive when you think about it. Yeah, and it's getting great reviews. It's sitting at a 90-plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people are favoring this. But coming out of this, the people that we saw this with, it was kind of divided, right? Yeah. So we went with, I think, eight people, yep. okay. Troy and myself, and we came out of this, and the crowd was divided, which was interesting. People were kind of just like, yeah, that was a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't mm -hmm. anything spectacular or special. I personally, I'm going to leave the, the recommendation to the end, but I may have came out on the more favorable side of that. Yes. And it was interesting seeing that contrast, and I was in the comic book shop the other day. And people were coming in and actively asking for Doctor Strange comic books, which I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Where's your Doctor Strange comic book section? And I kind of sat there and watched people for a little bit. And yeah. this is, I guess, what Marvel's trying to do to some degree is bring people into the Doctor Strange comic book world as well. Because yeah. he's really being pushed more recently in the comics. And yeah. I'm having a hard time getting into it, but I do really enjoy going back and reading some of the old comic books. It reminds me, actually, of a similar story with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, Same kind yep. of thing. Once the comic book shop later, everyone's asking for more Guardians of the Galaxy comic books, right? Yep. Same kind of thing. Marvel knows what they're doing when it comes to these kind of unknown brands and expanding in the movie universe and having you know the general comic book audience or not go out there and buy the comics, right? Yeah. And you've even been seeing that in the Legends lines as well. You've seen a lot of Doctor Strange characters, the comic book. You've seen Benedict Cumberbatch in Legends form. So it's really good to see that they're expanding that Doctor Strange basis because this is one of the characters they're going to be leading with coming out of Phase 3 when we probably don't have the standalone Iron Mans and Captain Americas and that yeah. to continue on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I mean, so Doctor Strange, you know, he's one of those characters who's been around for a long time. 
but he hasn't really had like that big of an impact. Like I can't remember the last giant Doctor Strange story. Maybe it's because I don't read that much Marvel, but I mean, he hasn't had a TV show or an animated series. He had that really bad 70s movie. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's yeah. awful. Like the worst. So I I don't know, like he's one of those characters that, you know, there's a lot of room for him because there's so much potential with the technology today and you see that in the film yeah and he's been playing more of a supporting character for a long time in the comic books you're seeing him propelled to the forefront more now so because of the movie i think he had a big part in secret wars Mm -hmm. marvel's last humongous event that's right he's got his own standalone he's now got two ongoing series right now with doctor strange and doctor strange and the sorcerer supreme that's right and wow. so you're going to see him coming to the forefront of Marvel, I think, for the foreseeable future. And with the results of this movie, I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel even tries to squeeze another Doctor Strange in Phase 3. Yep. Or if it tries to do something immediately at the gates in Phase 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've had some great stuff with him in Iron Man 2 and most recently Secret War or yeah. Civil War 2, right? Yeah. Goatee Brothers. Yes. Right? You know what I'm talking about. So we're going to be discussing I this. So we're going to be discussing this movie from top to bottom. We're going to say major spoilers going forward here. If you have not seen the movie, you have been warned. We're going to spoil the hell out of this. Everything from the magical, mystical, and the relics and all that right through to the post credit sequences. One of the nagging things that I'm going to address here right off the top, and this is something that's been flying around the internet. We have speculated on this. We've tried to report on what Feige said and what the director said about where Doctor Strange actually takes place in the timeline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's been discussions of it happening as far back as Iron Man 2 right through the present day and there's also been discussions of it more or less all happening in 2016. So I'm going to run through a quick line of evidence here and I want you guys to try to pick this apart and see which side of the fence you lie on here. Okay, I got my detective hat on. I'm ready to go. And this is another exclusive Tim theory. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So listen up. So the big thing here that confused a lot of people is we had the name drop in Winter Soldier. Yes. And most of us assumed that he was an established hero at that point. Kevin Feige president of Marvel Studios or whatever he is now, has stated that that is not the case, that he was on Hydra's radar specifically because he was an outspoken, brilliant neurosurgeon. So, first line of evidence there. Sorry, do do you remember the context his name was used as well for that scene? It was, so it was, Agent Sitwell was on his knees and they were talking to him and he started just rhyming off people. Bruce Banner was also included in that right, list. Like about, brilliance, okay. right? Yeah, about who Hydra had their eyes on. Okay. Oh, okay. And they had a list of everyone from Bruce Banner, Doctor Strange, or Doctor Stephen Strange, all that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Right. So he said that he was an outspoken neurosurgeon. Well, he's just kind of it's it's interesting because that was kind of the quote that Kevin Feige used. But when you look at Doctor Strange in this movie, he's yeah. very <laughs> inward thinking, right? Yeah. He's very. He doesn't seem to be the type of person that would be outspoken towards something that isn't going to affect him directly. He's a and, dick. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So I don't really buy that. I think that with that drop line that Marvel kind of wrote themselves into a corner. And this is just a way to back themselves out. Because that's really the only point that draws any sort of confusion as to why Doctor Strange isn't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe prior to Winter Soldier and that, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was dropped in the film here was the presence of Avengers Tower, right? So that sets up somewhat of a timeline that puts you more or less into phase two post avengers number one had a long discussion with good friend elliot about this about when avengers tower actually became a tower so we know for sure in winter soldier because it's highlighted when hydra's targeting different people it highlights tony stark in avengers tower at that point theoretically anytime post avengers because you do see them kind of setting up the tower the a is there and all that right so anytime from Iron Man 3, basically forward. So that kind of eliminates your phase one, I think, yeah. as far as the timeline that this is set. 
And the, sorry, um, so they do show the tower, and it's still when he's just a surgeon, right? Like he's he hasn't got any mystical yes, powers right. yet, he's so he's still a surgeon. Just Stephen Strange, yeah. Yeah. just Stephen Strange. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then Wong, at some point here, this is where I'm gonna get a you know maybe a bit of conjecture as far as the exact timing here. Some of this you can argue, argue either way. Wong at some point mentions that the Avengers are the protectors of the Earth. And I would argue that the Avengers aren't an actual fighting force protecting the world until Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yeah. so. They're not an established team in Iron Man 3 no. or Winter Soldier or anything like that. It's Age of Ultron that they are a fighting force that is recognized by a wider population. Mm-hmm. And then Global. going into ci- yeah. Civil War, they're still that same fighting mm-hmm. force in that, right? Yeah, I agree. So there, there's that mention, which puts you at Age of Ultron. And the next thing from Age of Ultron, Thor at the very end quotes that... Four Infinity Stones have shown up in the last few years. And he's, you know, and this is part of his bathtub vision and all that type thing, right? <laughs> and so as far as I'm concerned, that's somewhat of a confirmation that the time gem hasn't shown up on the Asgardian Raider. And I would assume, and again, you could you could go back and forth here with the post-credit sequence that Thor is kind of, oh, there's wizards in New York now, right? That he hasn't really encountered the wizards or sorcerers or whatever you want to call them so you could argue what they wouldn't know that they had the time gem and that but they do have the orb of agamato in odin's vault so they're aware of at least agamato i'm going to say that because the time gem hadn't been used yet thor isn't aware of it right okay that so makes that, sense so again that puts you at least post age of ultron yeah 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 and there's another kind of brief line of evidence here where when they're floating patients when he's driving the car before he's in his car accident there's discussion of a colonel, a 35-year-old man with mm-hmm. spinal injury. Some people have, you know, thrown the theory out there that it could be Rhodey, mm-hmm. yep. a colonel, you know, from Civil War, right. spinal injury. Age doesn't exactly line up. Right. The Hammer direct- doesn't line up either, right? No, the as far situation. as the timeline, no. Yeah. The director has kind of thrown out there that that's not the case. It's not Rhodey. It's someone else. Okay. So that kind of debunked that. One thing I am stretching here, I need a second viewing here, and this is my last piece before we get into the actual review here. Mm-hmm. There is a scene when he's he's putting on his watch there, and I believe in the background there is a plaque that says 2016 on mm. it. Oh. I need a second viewing to confirm that. Right. So right. my conclusion is from all of this, these different lines of evidence and that, and I'd be interested in the listener's opinion here. I think this takes place predominantly in 2016. Right. By the time we're at the end of the movie, it's more or less present day, November-ish timeline, mm-hmm. right? So some months after Civil War events. Yeah, or concurrently with it. With it, right. And that kind of maybe runs into issues with his training and why it's so short and all that sort of right. thing. But I think the evidence all points to at least post-Age of Ultron yeah. and maybe even Before shorter Civil time War, Because yeah. he does mention Avengers and Avengers are pretty much disassembled yep, at the end exactly. of Civil yeah. War. Right? And Civil, yeah. There's no mention of the Sokovia Accords mm-hmm. or anything no. like that. So yeah. I'm going to say kind of post-Age of Ultron-ish yeah. timeline. So yeah. into 2016 to yeah. some degree. Yeah, I think he's driving like a 2017 Ferrari in that scene anyways. So. Was, was it Ferrari or was the Audi? Uh, oh, was it, was it an Audi? I don't know. So I'm not a car guy. Um, oh, okay. Marvel seems to be. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it was like someone said online it was like a 2017 car so yeah mm. but i mean walking dead just showing that that means nothing so no. half the time you see gotham they're still driving like these 1939 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's more or less where i think it's gonna sit and i hope that alleviates some of the concern it may just make it more confusing but those are all the lines of evidence that I could really think of that kind of helped us place where this was. Because they left it somewhat ambiguous here. They weren't really trying to tell you what portion of the MCU that, as far as the timeline that it was sitting mm-hmm. in. There was no weird cameos. There's no off-screen mentions of uh, the Sokovia events or what's going on as, as far as what happened in Civil War or anything right. like yeah. that. So 
it's it's somewhat ambiguous. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, it's kind of like a, it's more of a standalone film. It doesn't have these like connective tissues. It's you know, it stands on its own, and I do like that. So yeah, what we're gonna do here is we're not gonna really run through chronologically here the movie or anything like that. Let's we're gonna talk about some of the big highlights here. And one awesome. of those big things coming into this movie was the visuals. Yes. What did you guys think of the visuals, specifically the scene where Doctor Strange is kind of falling through the dimensions when he first meets the Ancient One? And how how do you think kind of all these layers of inception like imagery came came to the yeah. forefront here as far as the movie? Yeah, what a trip that was, right? Yeah. I mean, what an imagination these guys have to pull off all that stuff when his hands are turning to more hands. Oh, that's so hands. creepy! I that was, was so crazy. freaked out. Yeah, you know what? I must say, this movie is something you do have to see. You know, three D AVX kind of stuff, yeah. right? It, it, you really do benefit off of it, and I appreciate the visuals because they're kind of flaunting it. Like, look, we can do this. We have the the capabilities of doing this in two thousand sixteen. But also made sense. I never felt like they were abusing the right to use these visuals. It made sense with a sorcery movie or magic movie, right? Yeah. So I really appreciate what they did with the effects. They looked great. I thought the facials were really good. I mean, it kind of felt like a Jimi Hendrix or, you know, like a Beatles, kind of like a kaleidoscope on acid or something. Yeah, good call. Yeah, something I've never seen before in a movie. And as I said, or as Troy said, you got to check it out on IMAX. you got to see it in 3D or AVX or whatever. This is a movie that you have to see in theaters. You know, because the visuals are so great and so spectacular, I kind of question how this is going to transfer when it's on TV on, you know, ABC or whatever, you know. I I think the visuals in here were the star of the show. I think without the visuals, you don't have a movie. The visuals stole it from me. It really does enhance the experience. Yeah. Yeah, it fully does. And I agree with you. You've got to see this on the big screen here. Absolutely. Some of the visuals, though, for me personally, I think that whole psychedelic scene where he's kind of falling in and out, like you said, Kaleidoscope is like the perfect example of that. <laughs> yeah. That took me out of it a bit. I thought oh, that okay. scene was okay. a little bit long. And yeah. I understand why they did that. And it's always the, the hesitation I have getting into the Doctor Strange comic books was that I can't get past the art sometimes. It's right. so far out there for me. Yeah. And this scene kind of did that for me. I understand what they're doing, what they're getting at, and they're trying to convey that this is something completely different and putting you on a different plane, an astral plane, if you will. But it kind of took me out. I felt that scene was really long. It was yeah. pretty long, yeah. Yeah, by the end of it, you're kind of like, okay, what's the point of this? We get it. He's like, the great one or the ancient one. I can't even remember. He's like, I have all this power. And so, yeah, I, I kind of agree. You know, it did kind of drag on a little bit too long. I'm curious to know if there was any Easter eggs throughout that whole scene because it was such a big sequence. I mean, yeah. at one point I thought I saw Thanos, but I realized it wasn't Thanos. It was just the big bad of the whole movie there, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do wonder if there's any sprinkles. I was hoping maybe we'd see the wasp maybe pop up oh, somewhere to kind of tie the in with that. Right. Exactly. Eternity yeah. or something like that because that's right? another big component of Doctor Strange too, as well, right? It's the embodiment yeah. of eternity. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to see it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, Troy and I definitely have to see it again because yeah. when we went into the theater <laughs> speaking about the visuals here mm-hmm. the first scene the opening sequence we have yet to really appreciate because we get into the theater cineplex here and we pop on our 3d glasses and the movie starts and you get to the marvel roll credit and all that and everything's looking kind of blurry i'm like ah this is kind of weird this yeah. is something i'm pulling on and off my glasses <laughs> the marvel logo doesn't look great yeah. yeah and i was like what the hell is going on here the whole first scene they forgot to flip the switch or whatever oh, it is to turn yeah. it to 3d and so the crowd was kind of getting restless. Oh, and yeah. you, you can't watch it, just killing your face because yeah. it's just basically it's just flickering, right? Yeah. yeah. So we missed out on this entirety of this first opening sequence, oh. this visually demanding sequence as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it even took me out of the movie for a bit. It took me a little while to get back into the movie because you go from this epic scene that you're pissed off that you're missing <laughs> yeah. into something that's a bit sore. You're building the origin of Doctor Strange. 
people are quite restless. People are still talking and all uh, that. People are running in and out. You yeah. see the Cineflex staff doing all their thing. And it really bothered me. Like, mm-hmm. it took me a while to get back into the movie. So I felt like my first 10, 15 minutes was spent kind of a bit ticked off. I was pissed that they didn't rewind <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was kind of robbed. Yeah. 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 No one even came out to apologize to the audience, too, right? Which yeah. Did you guys get free passes? Wild. No. No, I should have spoke to Yeah, them. my wife yeah. said, you should just yeah. went and spoke. They would have given you a free pass. Yeah. But yeah. didn't do that. And unfortunately, that did have a bit of an effect for me on my experience of the movie overall. Because yeah. I feel like I missed out on that sequence. It was a pretty great sequence. I'm not going to yeah. lie, guys. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, that's why I went to the IMAX theater because you always get good quality with IMAX. Yeah. So <laughs> up with free passes, IMAX. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from the opening scene, I don't know if you guys were even able to make this out, but the guy's head gets chopped off. I definitely yeah. saw that. Yeah, as a librarian's head, right? Yeah, and I was just like, wow, this is like no Marvel movie I've seen before. I can't remember any other Marvel movie involving decapitation. Like, that hooked me, and it kind of felt like a James Bond film. Do you know how, like, their big action sequence is always the oh, first sequence? Yeah. Like, it kind of drew you in. You know, I was a little bit confused. I was like, I have no idea who the hell these people are or what the hell's going on, but it looks really cool, and yeah. I'm in it, so, you know, let's let's have at her. So that's kind of my takeaway. But you definitely have to see it. That opening scene is visually stunning. And throwing you right into the deep end there, because one of the big things with all of this is the magic. And we weren't quite sure how they're going to convey this to the general audience. There's some aspects from the comics that we understand as readers, but how to bring in someone that isn't familiar with kind of this mysticism, this magic of Doctor Strange. A lot of people are familiar with Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of how I thought they were going to bridge this is use that aspect and leverage off of the Harry Potter audience and what they build as a foundation of magic, but they really didn't go that way. They completely avoided the spoken spells, which yes. I yeah. can really appreciate. Love that. That really <clears throat> is difficult in the comics because you can't read half of them. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let alone pronounce that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't do anything too crazy. They more or less had only a few different moves they did. They had the kind of the, what do you call it? The sling um, ring? The sling ring fire thing that they did. Yeah. The bad guys had those ice crystals. I love how they pulled yeah. those things out. Yeah. yeah. And then Doctor Strange had his, his whip and all that. Yeah. So do you think limiting the amount of magic and the depth that they went to with the magic was appropriate for this origin movie? Like we weren't seeing people turn into animals and kind of crazy <laughs> shit other than those few kind of psychedelic scenes that yeah. we did get yeah. yeah no i really appreciate it because i like i mentioned to you before a little while back is like i appreciate what they do with harry potter i'm not a big harry potter person but my biggest thing is when they cast these spells and i always make fun of like abracadabra even though they never mentioned that so because there's so many different word plays to go along with that movie i kind of find myself lost with like what spell they're casting whereas here was great because it's all hand gestures how they pulled off their moves mm-hmm. and the sorcery tricks right so i'm really glad the directors decided to go that route because like you mentioned in the comic books when you're trying to read what he's trying to do and cast it's it's a little bit of like a tongue twister it's kind of crazy so yeah i really like what they did here with the hand gestures yeah i mean it's it's appropriate i mean he's supposed to be just learning magic mm-hmm. i mean we'll get into that a little bit later but uh maybe in the sequel they'll probably like amp it up or maybe for uh what you call it, infinity war they'll amp it up so it's a nice, you know, little entry. I have no idea the limits of Doctor Strange's powers. Like in the comics, does he turn people into animals all the time, or is he pretty much just transportation and weapons out of thin air kind of guy? Yeah, more or less. His powers, I don't think, are very well defined. I think in the movie here, they do a good job of saying this is kind of what he can do, and they use that and they convey that with the other sorcerers or doing a few other things. You see. Carl Mordo doing, you know, the stepping and the fighting and all that. And their abilities seem to be amped up a bit, but they all seem to be more or less focused around the sling rings and yeah. these kind yeah. of shields and all that they do. Doctor Strange's powers in the comics are 
somewhat limitless. There's, yeah. there's nothing there that says he can't do anything. And they allude to this in the movie with all the different books and all the yeah. different spells that you can more or less do anything. Yeah. Like, kind of like a Scarlet Witch. Exactly. Oh, okay, like, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things with Doctor Strange is sometimes it's powers of convenience. When you need him to do something yes. in yeah. particular, he's there to do that. And that's something that they leverage Scarlet Witch a lot mm-hmm. in the comic books is that, oh, we need her to do this so all the center powers can do that. And yeah. that's one of the limitations of Doctor Strange as far as how powerful he can be because... And this comes in, I guess, with the the time stone as well. Is is where do you put those those limits on the character on his powers to make it so that there is some stakes left in the universe and right. when he's fighting other characters, mm-hmm. other individuals. And so I think they did a good job putting those boundaries on him and not, yeah. and saying that he's just not this all powerful sorcerer that can do anything. Yeah, no, I agree. What did you think of the cloak levitation here? We'll get into some of the relics <laughs> here as we go through this. But how did you feel about this? almost completely sentient cloak. And this is something we discussed last week, whether or not they're going to go down this path. This was a different take than I thought they were going to do right. with this cloak. The cloak, to me, and, you know, we're watching the movie, they show the cloak um, battling all the bad guys, and my wife turns to me and she's like, that's the magic carpet from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, you're right. Like, yeah, that's Spot totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, provides some co- comedic timing. I have no idea if this is comic accurate or not, but I enjoyed it. It was kind of cool. I mean, you don't see a lot of heroes in the MCU with capes. You know, it's more like a DC thing with Superman, mm-hmm. Batman. The only one I can think of is Thor. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of cool. Vision. Yeah, yeah, Vision. Well, he just makes his cape. Like, what? what's that about? <laughs> but I really like the look of the cape. It looks really cool. It looks kind of like Superman's cape from Man of Steel. And, you know, I really like it that it's not just a cape. And, like, it. he didn't just, like, go one day and he's like, I'm going to add this cape to my costume. Right. It shows him. And I thought that was really neat and a really cool take on it. Yeah, it serves a purpose. I really like the, the cape. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, potentially that what you could do with, like, a BB-8 or an R2. You know, oh, like, it has a yeah. feeling to it. Yep. So I, I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of its character later on through the, through the franchise. But I liked it. I like how the cape chose him. Yeah. I thought it was cool. The effects are great on the cape. And uh, it kicked some ass. Yeah. Throughout a couple of scenes there. So it's cool, man. Doctor Strange has to have the cape. I know a couple of times in the comics they've kind of taken away to change up his look. Um, but I've always liked him with the cape and the high collar, right? That's, yeah. that's the Doctor Strange. And at one point he, you know, pops he pops the collar. He pops it, right? Yeah. And, and you know what? It could have been really cheesy, but it actually worked for me. Yeah. That you like scene. that? Yeah. yeah it it, it kind of had the fawns. The A. Okay. Down, so. To me, it was yeah. like a little much because I think it was just after like the big battle in the Sanctum of New York. And then he pops the collar. And then it, like, droops down a bit, and then, like, he tries to, like, put it back up, and yeah. I was like... See, that that's what made it work for me, because it oh, looked okay. cheesy, and then it kind of, like, played off of that. I was like, yeah. wait a second, bring it back here, right? Okay, so, so for yeah. me, like, the reason why, like, I kind of, like, not dissing it or anything, mm-hmm. but I just thought, like, you know, you just had this, like, battle, people died and stuff, and then you're just, like, throwing in this, like, joke, like, this one-liner. I was like, man, like... Uh, he's a doctor. He sees death all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. No, he doesn't, because he always cures all his patients. Yeah. Well. Speaking of which, that MRI scene, I heard someone online say that if you did an MRI with someone with a bullet in their brain, they would die. So this is magnets. Yeah. So, come on, Marvel. I mean, that should have been a CAT scan or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor or anything, but... <laughs> not a doctor. <laughs> I really like the cloak. One thing that did for me really well was that when he's fighting Caecilius and the other zealots and all that... The cloak was what kept him alive. Yeah. It, he was an inexperienced sorcerer fighting very experienced sorcerers that had walked up and killed the guardian or whatever of the New York Sanctum. Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange is fighting them one on three. Right. Yeah. Which is, sorry, uh, brother brother Voodoo's brother, yeah. actually, right? That yeah. character. So that's yeah. kind of a police egg. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, okay. And and the fact that they used this cape as the reason why he was able to fend off these villains for so long, yeah. I thought it was a really good way of explaining why and how Doctor Strange wasn't just all of a sudden this all-powerful sorcerer that's beating three, four guys that are much more experienced than him. Yeah. And Doctor Strange, let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> fuck. Let's talk about... Fuck. <laughs> The time jump's going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Doctor Strange, both from a neurosurgeon, egotistical maniac, into his kind of final redemptive selfless. Doctor Strange, selfless human. I think he nailed it. I mean, I really didn't care too much for Doctor Strange before the movie was made, but now I'm super excited to see him in Infinity War and see him interact with the other Avengers. So from that standpoint, you know, he did an excellent job. He's just a great actor. I mean, who doesn't love Cumberbatch? So, I have nothing good, to, nothing but good things to say about his portrayal. I think you know he was an excellent Doctor Strange, and I can't even think of anyone else they could have cast. Yeah, he he was awesome. You know, I've never had my heart set on uh, Walking Phoenix. Yeah, when they first mentioned okay. him, I think Ryan Gosling was even in the running for. There's a couple other people out there, and when they said Bennett Cumberbatch, I was like, yeah, that's kind of the easy choice because he's a world class actor. He can do yeah. no wrong. But man, he knocked this role out of the park. It was—he's so good. I can't wait to see more interactions with him and the other Avengers. I mean, seeing him with Thor already—I yeah. love the chemistry there. And he, yeah, he's just great what he did with this role. Him transitioning from like a dick doctor to yeah. you know the selfless hero that we we now know him as—he did such a great job. And and he's surrounded by other good actors as well. I really like the choice with uh, with Benedict. So good job with that. Yeah. yeah, he embodies this role the same way I feel that Evans does. Captain yeah. America, Downey yeah. does. The, I think the casting here is just spot on. Yes. His accent was fantastic. The look, yes, yeah. all of it. And <laughs> speaking about the look, so yeah. he goes through this transition phase where he's kind of wandering through Tibet and all that, and he's kind of got the beard. And there's a lady behind us. I don't know if she was just really enjoying the movie or if she's a huge Doctor Strange fan <laughs> but when he shaved that goatee she lost her <laughs> mind like I laugh a lot but this lady here is yeah. on another level of laughter she oh, was gushing man. about it yes she, she was, was yeah that was well ah! <laughs> there's the cue yeah <laughs> they handled his origin story I think really well mm-hmm. I would have liked more time with him as yeah. the neurosurgeon they yes. really rushed that origin oh. story and then they kind of just skipped through a lot of his just portraying him as this egotist and I think contrasting him with Rachel McAdams, Christine Palmer character. Oh, that scene he had with her, how he dismissed her. Yes. Oh, yeah. Powerful. I I think they, but they just got right to the car scene more or less Mm -hmm. where I I would have liked to spend a bit more time with him or him interacting with more people and you get more of this resentment towards this character. I always felt like he was kind of this suave, kind of a dick, but kind of not. I never felt that he was almost this Tony Stark where you almost or have disdain for him because you know Tony Stark's selling weapons of mass destruction and all that this guy is he's yeah he's selfish and he's out for himself and he won't fix certain people because he's worried about tainting his record and all that that. yeah but I never really felt like I didn't really like this guy and maybe because I knew that the transition was coming almost right away yeah Yeah. Uh, I I don't know no I just I wish we did get to see a little bit more of that because you know they're talking about this banquet or whatnot he's going to go to I want to kind of get like a speech of his, kind of like uh, Bruce Wayne. I yeah. think in Batman Begins, we dismisses his uh, yeah. the, the party members, right? I wish we got a little bit more of that. Maybe in flashbacks, we can go back and see how okay. much more of a dick he was. Because I do think, though, he is worse than Tony, but we got more time with Tony yeah. as as his cockiness and arrogance, right? Tony had a better heart, I believe, than, um, than Dr. Stephen Strange. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I really wish we got more time with that character. And, but it makes sense, right, with the movie, and you got to speed up certain things, right? I, I, see, I didn't feel like that. You know, up until the car accident, he was a little bit cocky and arrogant. But I mean, he saved that person's life. Um, he has the music in the operating room, and he knows music, so you have a little bit of like uh, backstory there. I never, re- he never really came across as like a jerk until the accident. And then he's trying to find, like, you know, he's at his wit's end. He's trying to find a cure for his hands to work again because that's that's what he loves. He loves saving people. And, you know, to me, he never came off as kind of that Tony Starkish, standoffish, you know, I'm selfish kind of guy. It wasn't until after the accident that you kind of see that coming out when he's, like, near the end of his rope. I, I had a different take on it than yeah. you guys for that. See, I, think I thought he was worse because even Tony Stark in that cave, you know, life-threatening, right? He still yeah. wasn't that much of a bad person. He's just trying to, you know, get out of that cave where it felt like as soon as um, Dr. Stephen Strange had that accident, he was horrible. He's even worse than everybody. Yeah, yeah. This is paralleled from the comics as well and him blaming other people for messing up his hands when he's to blame for the accident. Yeah. And him being a dick at the, towards the end here is a lot more desperation, I think. Yeah. As opposed to him before being this egotistical right. maniac. And mm-hmm. I just don't think you get that vibe enough from it. And and it's just a small nitpick. Like, yeah. I really love his portrayal and all mm-hmm. that in there. And it's almost my regret for not spending more time with him. Yes. But I get why they did They had yeah. to speed up. They had a lot to get through Makes here. Sense. Had yeah. to get him to that point, that point of desperation. So he's out seeking kind of the mystic one and all that, mm-hmm. or the ancient one. Yeah. yeah. Teach me. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly here. His costume. What did you? We had good looks at this in the trailers and from different magazine shoots and all that thing. What do you think of it in action? Fantastic. Loved it. The color scheme was great. The blues, it wasn't too blue. The red's perfect. Nice muted colors. Yeah, and it's just such a nice look. It has, you know, the Steve Dicko look, obviously, but also the current um, all new, all different look going on as well, right? I feel like I'm on Fashion Police with Joan Rivers or something, like just criticizing (laughs) his fashion choices. Oh, how he pairs the red and the blue together. Oh, it's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) It could have really went sideways, though. This could have looked really goofy, especially the cape, but they managed to fit it all into this believable universe. Mm -hmm. Love or no gloves I like it without the gloves because the gloves do show up at the end right the yellow gloves Mm -hmm. which are classic Doctor Strange it did look funny though when he goes back into like you know his proper reality and he's in like the the hospital and he just looks so out of place right like this this weird get up yeah. You know, I thought that was kind you of funny. You must look like a LARP or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about that scene for a second? Okay, because yeah. you have Rachel McAdams' character. I forget her name. One thing this movie did that I didn't like was I didn't even know any of the names, but like halfway through the film, I was like, who's the bad guy again? But, anyways, I digress. So, you had Rachel McAdams' character, Christine Palmer? Yep. Okay, perfect. Nailed it. And she's like, she gets Stephen Strange and she's in the operating table. Then all of a sudden you see like a ghost of Stephen Strange like appear out of nowhere and in like five seconds she's cool with it. Like she must see some weird shit to be like okay with that after like five seconds. She's just like, whoa. And then yeah. she's like, oh, hey, Stephen, like how's it going in the ghost realm? You know? It would be weird, but I guess this universe that's already been set with 13 movies beforehand. With, <laughs> I guess, With yeah. aliens and yeah. blind yeah. people that can fight and web shooters and Iron Man and all that <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. I'm just saying, if that was me and yeah. I saw like a ghost, I'd be crapping my pants and out of there so fast. For sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene itself is literally pulled off the pages of the oath. That whole astral plane, him telling her, even the heart wound, he was shot in the comic books. Oh. Stab. The heart wound is the exact same. And he goes to her and she is night nurse in the comic books, right? She's, I think, the third night nurse. And I don't think it's the exact character from the oath, but 
all of that is just pulled right into the comic books and put right into this. I really, really enjoyed that scene for that aspect is that they're giving winks and nods and heavy winks and heavy nods to the oath here throughout a lot of this, but particularly this scene here. That's awesome. See, and that's why I love Marvel so much. Sorry, DC. Because, <laughs> because they pull so well from some of these comic book scenes, right? Yeah. They, they really transition them or translate them so well on the big screen. I, I love that. Even from, I think, Avengers when Iron Man's like, kind of transforming into his Iron Man suit. It's like something right yeah. out of Extremist, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I just I love what they do there. Oh, yeah. And to me, the best scene of that is Civil War when Iron Man and Captain America oh, are fighting. Yeah. And then you see the shield and then exactly. the lines up through the, uh, the wall there. I mean... Straight from the comic books. That, yeah. uh, I nerdgasm to that. Gushed. This character that... <laughs> ah! <laughs> Man! <laughs> this character that Rachel McAdams played and Christine Palmer, I really liked what they did with her because, yes, she was a very minor character in the film. I liked two aspects here. One, she was never a damsel in distress. Yeah. And two, they didn't force her into a love story. And I guess three. This, I guess it's a three-pronged <laughs> thing now. Um, she wasn't involved in the final act of the movie. Like she wasn't like a Natalie Portman or a Darcy or whatever that had to be present in the final act, exactly. in the final fight, and she weighed into it somehow. She wasn't the one up there tricking Dormammu or something like that. Right, right? or turning yeah. staff around to get it somewhere safe. <laughs> yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah. Lay whatever off BBS for now. Oh, okay? is that <laughs> you guys have been laying into that movie Did I just nonstop that movie? since March. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> Stop it, you two. It's a great film, okay? <laughs> Just leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Anyways, it's a nice way to not use her like a character like Lois and <laughs> <laughs> That's a new record, guys. 13 <laughs> seconds before we bring up BBS again. <laughs> okay, we're, this is a drinking game now, okay? Every time one of these guys, to my left and to my right here, mentions Batman vs. Superman, take a drink. <laughs> well, you guys are going to be hammered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, so she did have a lot of impactful moments with Doctor Strange, and she humanized him to some degree, and she was also used, I think, to contrast him a bit. So she was the good doctor, if you will, right? The person that's helping in the ER, and that allows you to build some of that disdain for Doctor Strange while he won't come into the ER, and he won't help specific people. And again, that's straight out of the comic book origins, and I really liked how they used this character to not only contrast Doctor Strange but also as someone that gives a bit of sympathy towards Doctor Strange and it really helps you feel when she's dismissed in that scene you really see Doctor Strange hitting rock bottom here I think. Um, I can't remember who tweeted about this but they said like the character of her you know you could replace her with Darcy or you could replace her with any other female characters in the MCU and it just would feel the same like there's just nothing special about her I got. Like, she's she's a nurse. I, she's not even a nurse. Isn't she, like, a surgeon? Yeah, she, yeah. yeah she's, like, the she's like one of the main surgeons. But, like, she never really comes across as, like, you don't really know too much about her. She's just kind of there. I think that's done on purpose, though. Yeah. Like, I think it, they've taken notes from other movies where there has been some impact from the female lead. And I, I don't like the aspect that you don't have a like a strong female lead that opposes Doctor Strange, but you do have the ancient one in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that aspect is filled there. And I, I just think that they handled this the right way as try as opposed to trying to shoehorn her into certain acts of the movie to just have her there. Yeah. yeah. Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> All right, let's jump into some of his training here and some of the characters that influence his transition from a neurosurgeon into almost a full sorcerer by the end of the movie here. So 
Carl Mordo, he acts more as a mentor here. And they have a big spin on this character from the comic book. So he is traditionally more of an antagonist yes. and one of Doctor Strange's arch nemesis, mm-hmm. if you will, right? Sinestro oh, like. Okay. Yeah. Oh, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for putting it in terms I can understand. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to DC. <laughs> <laughs> one of the big spins they did put on this character, though, and he's a disciple of the Ancient One. He's very loyal to her, almost blindly yeah. loyal to her, right? And he feels very betrayed when we find out that the Ancient One is actually drawing a lot of power from the Dark Dimension to kind of keep at bay a lot of the mystic evils in the parallel dimensions and all that. And But he's really hurt when he learns this, and he feels betrayed by it. And towards the end of the movie, he doesn't really support Doctor Strange's use of the Time Gem. He doesn't like messing with natural law and all that. And he does kind of take a turn towards the end. And a we drastic have, turn. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about this when we go through the post credit sequence. But this is a big turn on the character from the comic books. So when Doctor Strange is first introduced, the next issue you get Baron Mordo. And he becomes evil because he's jealous of Doctor Strange. Yeah. And he wants to become Sorcerer Supreme. And he plots to actually kill the Ancient One and betrays the Ancient One. Oh, okay. They've kind of done a complete 180 here where yeah. it's the Ancient One that's betrayed Mordo. Yeah. And that leads to him eventually going down this path of villain, it mm-hmm. seems, right? Uh, what did you think of the take on Baron Mordo and what Chutel Ejiofort brought to the character? I thought he started off strong. You yeah. know, again, this is another great actor. He's he's incredible. And he's the, from Love Actually. Love Actually and, <laughs> and uh, Firefly, right? Serenity? Oh. Yeah, he's the villain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's one of the villains. I did not and yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh Whedon, right? Oh. So, um, Twelve Years a Slave, too. I think he's nominated. But anyways, yeah, wow. he starts off strong in the movie. He was really good. And then towards the end, he started losing his way. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> he started slipping for me. And I just felt his writing was a little weaker mm-hmm. towards the end there. Um, do, do we know why they changed his name from uh, Baron to Carl anyways? Well, like Baron is a title. And oh, Carl's actually named. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I believe. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, he's a little weaker for me towards the end, but I do like the chemistry that him and um, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange have. And I do look forward to seeing him in the next installments, but I just felt he, he needed a little more tightening up towards the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, when he finds out the Ancient Ones using, you know, the dark mystic powers or whatnot, you know, to me, it felt kind of like a like a plot device. They're like, he's like, oh, why are you using this? And then she just walks away. I'm like, you could have just explained it, take two seconds, and then he's back on your side. Now you're dead. Now he's evil. It's all your fault, Ancient One. Like, to me, that scene felt a kind of a little bit, like, rushed. And I felt like, you know, he, especially the Easter egg scene, I mean, we'll get into that later. But, you know, he started off strong. He was really cool. Um, When he throws the line, like, we're not savages. Like, for the the Wi-Fi. I love that. Yeah, like, when they said it in the trailer, to me, it felt flat. But then in the movie, it worked because it was, like, placed better. Yeah. So that's one, you know... I like that line, and you know he had some humor to him, and he had some like gravitas. Like he's yeah. like, you know, fight like your life depends on it, because you know it may very well be in the future. And I, you know, I liked him, and then he just goes bad for seemingly no reason to me. It's yeah, just like it had a lot of that Green Lantern stench of uh, Sinestro turning in the after credit scene, right? Where yeah. It's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, why are you bad now? Yeah. Yeah, I've had some time to simmer on that mm-hmm. aspect because when I came out of the film, I well, might as well just get into it now. The yeah. the mortal second post credit sequence here. I thought, yeah, they sinestered this for yeah. sure. Yeah. But when I thought a bit a bit more, and I think I agree with you, Troy, with I think it's the weakness of the writing towards the end of the film yeah. that hampers that post credit sequence from being a bit more impactful. 
I think if they didn't go down the line where at the start of the movie, he was more or less blindly following the Ancient One for everything that she did because she helped him get through whatever, right? Right. And immediately when he finds out that she's drawing on the Dark Dimension, he doesn't try to understand that. Yeah. I think that was just to to rapidly get him into a position where he was either leaving, departing the kind of the sorcery or pushing forward with this villainous path that he's eventually going to take. And I think if they had to maybe push that a movie or two and allowed him to stand tall with Dr. Strange while still voicing his discontent with them kind of screwing with time and drawing on the dark dimension, but almost using the death of the ancient one and the presence of Dr. Strange and Wong and trying to form something a bit different and not drawing on the dark dimension and, and using his powers to progress the sorcery as opposed to just completely leave it and abandon it. I felt that was very out of character for him to just turn his back on the ancient one, on the sorcery, on protecting the earth, right? From the dark dimension, from all of these threats. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little mishandled. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, that second Easter egg scene, the first one I love the second one. I was like, this is so unnecessary. It doesn't even belong here. Like you just, that, that should have been the whole second movie. just setting up his turn. But now, in one scene, he's just... He's bad now. Yeah. I will say, I do like they didn't go down a predictable route that he was also in cahoots with Dormammu, right? Yeah. They could have very easily said that that. he was feeding Caecilia stuff, and it was kind of this whole big plot against the Ancient One from the beginning. But I like the fact they spun the character, and it was the Ancient One that betrayed him Mm -hmm. in the sense that she was pulling him from the Dark Dimension, and he didn't like that. I do like that aspect of it, and I can see that he's going to be a good villain, a yes. Loki-like villain. Right. Yeah. And I love what Chutel Ejiofor did with the character. Mm-hmm. I felt that he he filled that role really well. But again, I think, again, it comes down to this writing. Everything was just a bit too quick, a bit too compressed. They're trying to get through a lot of this universe. And right. that's actually one thing I wanted to bring up was, do you think that not having Doctor Strange as an established character like they're doing with Spider-Man, with Black Panther, hampered it a bit. Do you think if we had some of this already established to some degree that we would have maybe not felt this was as rushed because it had more time to spend on backstory or mm. progressing or spending more time with the sorcery and that? Or do you think because it's such a different universe that we need to spend the time setting the foundation as opposed to like a Black Panther where you can just say it's a different culture but he's a technology-based superhero. We yes. all know who Spider-Man is. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the, the direction I felt. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he's, he's this world that's just so different. It wouldn't make sense just to throw in like a two-second Easter egg there. Then then you get like that rush feeling. I mean, I know a lot of people... I'm, I hate to bring this film back, but Batman vs. Superman, you kind of got those like files with Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg yeah. kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm glad they stayed away from that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's a movie, so it's his first origin story. So, of course, they should go back and, you know, we don't have to just plot seeds like we do in like universe building. I'm glad that they took their time and they made this just one film instead of like trying to seed it in others like i know they had like the little throwaway gag from uh winter soldier but that's just like a minor thing like that could have been anything so i i agree i think you know they definitely did the right thing there yeah yeah they handled it the right way they they definitely had to um you know identify this character on his own movie and not just the character but the world that he lives in right they definitely did their own movie to do it because this movie for me you know at one point i am guardians was kind of like the marvel star wars in a sense for me but now this movie's kind of taking that mantle we have like the dark sorcerers yeah the good sorcerers um the the chosen one or not the chosen one sorry the the ancient one is kind of like the yoda like oh yeah like these dark paths i kind of feel like this is like 
kind of my Marvel Star Wars. That's almost, cool, right? yeah. So um, I really like what they did with this movie, but they definitely needed this movie to introduce Doctor Strange and, and the world that he lives in. So yeah. I, I like the route they chose, because like you said, Spider-Man's established. We already know how his whole world works, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Sanjay, you mentioned the comedy here, and Wong, one of the breakout characters, I think, in <laughs> yeah. this film, was one of those comedic pivot points. Yeah. And, did you think that the comedy landed a lot in here? Because our theater was howling through a good chunk of this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. a lot of these jokes landed with the general audience, I felt. Mm-hmm. And, and Wong, fantastic character as well. Oh, Great, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's listening to Beyonce. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing with the comedy. Some of it landed, some of it I thought it was really good. But I've kind of already mentioned this before. I feel like, and this is more just like a pick on the Marvel Cinematic Universe I feel like a lot of times like there'll be like a serious scene or like a fight scene or something, you know, with real gravitas towards it. And then someone will throw like a one liner. And I'm like I'm like, man, like why'd you have to say that? Like that to me, like that takes me out of the moment. Tell it to the lady sitting behind me. <laughs> she ate it up. <laughs> you know, like I wanna be like, you know, I want I know they take this seriously. Um, but sometimes it just feels like they're kind of just like winking and nudging at the audience when they have these like one line throwaways and I get why they do it and it does make the movie seem fun and like it's enjoyable and I did enjoy this film a lot. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not a lot, but I did enjoy this film. Um, but that's one thing that I felt like, you know, he has like so many one liners, like he's battling Cassilius in, um, the New York Sanctum and then he's like, doctor, Mr. Doctor. And then he's like, no, my name's Dr. Strange. And then he's like whatever strange yeah yeah, yeah. i actually really <laughs> like that i thought it was pretty funny but you know i agree with you completely because that's one thing i liked at least at first with the dc universe is the tone of man of steel i like yeah. that it wasn't so funny did you just yeah. say something nice I, about I, yeah I, i'll always defend man of steel <laughs> I, I, I hold that movie really high so i do wish you know at times with these marvel movies we could get a little serious because age of ultron suffered a lot for that in my yeah. opinion is that it was just a little too hokey even even the villain himself was uh, a little humorous himself. So I do wish we could kind of tighten that up a bit. But this is one Marvel movie that worked for me all around. I actually really liked all the humor in in every aspect of this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think Winter Soldier had the right amount of it. And Civil War, too. Civil War, maybe a little little too much jokes, but... No, it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely perfect. (laughs) But to me, like, you know, like, it's like Civil War was, like, on the line to me. And I think this one was, like, crossing the line for me. I agree with you that sometimes that they use the comedy a bit too much to break tension in scenes. Yeah. We also have to remember we're dealing with ridiculous concepts here. <laughs> yeah. And I think the comedy allows you to bridge some of that and make it a little more believable in your head. Yeah. And I think that the timing on all this was much better than a lot of the movies that have had the missteps. Particularly, I'm talking about Thor The Dark yes. World, right? Yeah, A lot of missteps in the comedy. They've really tightened it up here. Mm-hmm. And I think it hit every single joke in there Definitely. I personally laughed at and a lot of the crowd laughed <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. and so that is my kind of peer review of the aspect that the comedy's hitting here mm-hmm. and people have come to expect this and yeah. I agree with you when it needs to be serious it is maybe not so much in this movie but in Civil War yeah. and all that yeah. Winter Soldier they, they do hit that tone but this has become part of the ingrained experience of watching a marvel film is the comedic aspect of it and i think if you remove that it doesn't feel like a marvel movie this has just become what it is right yeah and we have the netflix series right we have the netflix series for like the serious serious stuff so but like doesn't that then become in danger of being too formulaic you got like the setup the origin the fall from grace the forgettable villain you know then the comedy great action sequence Roll credits. Give me a billion dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the enemies, the villains could use a little tightening up. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the Marvel comics, even reading, like, um, 
Civil War two and these things they're, they're funny. Like, yeah, that's that's the Marvel. That's yeah. how it's always been, really. Yeah, Spider Man from the oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Spider Man, yeah, Deadpool, totally. All these guys, right? Like maybe yeah. that's this Doctor Strange comic. You know, I haven't read any Doctor Strange comics, so maybe that's just like how he is portrayed in the comics. But I'm kind of thinking something more like serious, like you know, like Watchmen or V for Vendetta. Like I don't think this is ever gonna you know get like that serious tone. So maybe in that aspects. They purposely went for that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, got a Blade movie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Troy you hit on the nail on the head there, though. Go to the Netflix yeah. if you want series. Yeah, right? if you there's a little bit of comedy in there, but it's pretty dark, pretty violent. <laughs> yeah, the villains, Troy, you yeah. brought them up, mm-hmm. and Sanjay, you did mention the constant <laughs> trope and the issue that a lot of people bring up with Marvel cinematic movies is the forgettable villain. Right. Yeah. And Casilius, does he fall into this trap of the forgettable villain for Marvel? He's a little bit better than uh, yeah. the last ones we've gotten. Um, a great actor again to play this play this villain. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, again, he, I liked him. He wasn't bad, but he had a little bit of the Ultron going on for me too. Where I'm just like, oh, can you just get a little serious here? Yeah. But he worked for me though. I I, I did appreciate him a lot more than what we've had in what like, Malekith and um, Ronin. Like I did like him more than those two villains yeah. that we've yeah. had. Yeah. I thought there's potential, like, there's a scene when they're in, I keep coming back to the scene because I think it's the best scene, when they're in the New York Sanctum, and he's talking about Dormammu, and he's making some good points, you know, he's saying, like, Dormammu's not this bad guy, you know, and I was like, okay, yeah, like, Doctor Strange, maybe he's gonna go to the dark side, or maybe, you know, he's gonna sway, Mm -hmm. and then, like, it never really gets brought up again, and then the next thing you know, he's, like, going with Dormammu, I'm like, what, like, I don't know, I feel like the character had potential, and they should have... He could have probably been, like, one of their top five Marvel villains, but ah, to me it just felt a little bit flat. Like, there wasn't just enough substance. I mean, we're first introduced. He's cutting off someone's head, stealing this book. And I have no idea what's going on, who this guy is. I've never seen this guy before in my life. Uh, I don't know the characters. And then the next thing you know, he appears, like, 20, half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour later. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You're here because you want to steal the book? I guess. I mean... To me, it seemed. Uh, I mean, just talking about um, Caecilius, it fell a little flat. What do you think? What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you that his motivations were a bit thin. But mm. I think I can try to bridge some of this because his motivations were explored in the prequel. Context. I was just going <laughs> to ask you about that, right? Okay. Um, so after losing his wife and his unborn child, he seeks refuge in Comartage and seeks the teaching of the Ancient One to try to bring back his wife and unborn child from death. And the ancient one doesn't really teach him this, but he then finds out that she's drawing other power from the dark dimension. And he gets kind of pissed off and he kind of turns against the ancient one because she isn't giving him, allowing him and teaching him all of the potential powers that he might need Mm -hmm. to save his wife. Right. You see the other sorcerer, the guy with the back injury who was using magic to fix yeah. something, right? And so it's, again, expanding a bit more on that aspect and bringing someone back from the dead. Right. And so she's not sharing all her knowledge with him, and he doesn't like that. And that's where you see the spinoff. And that's where you see his motivation change as far as him splitting off from the Ancient One and kind of leaning more to the side of Dormammu. I appreciate that. And yeah. that's actually a pretty good prequel uh, yeah I was gonna say why the hell wasn't that included in the movie (laughs) that's really good yeah Yeah. I would have enjoyed the character a lot more if they put that in well it's a missed opportunity there's a couple throwaway lines that they could have chucked in there that just would have explained his motivations and that's sometimes a problem with Marvel villains is you don't completely understand their motivations they they want to turn at the lights like the dark elves or there's a few other things that you just don't quite get they want power for power's sake and destroy everything just yeah. to destroy it right mm-hmm. and you get a little bit of that vibe off of Caecilius but I think reading the prequel comics helped me bridge that gap a bit more and I understood 
what the character's motivations were going right. into it. And that allowed me to kind of say, yeah, he's just not doing this to be bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, I would have appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. And then the other villain here, Dormammu. <laughs> yes. So this is someone that just kind of shows up towards the end. He's not so much pulling the strings like we thought. His right. his physical form isn't present. We don't see the flaming skull and the head and all that. Mm-hmm. He's mo-capped by Doctor Strange. That's by right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of this kind of final action sequence here where we do have Doctor Strange's interaction with Dormammu and the time jam here? Yeah. I loved it. I really appreciated <laughs> what they did with this scene because this this is where Marvel kind of changes the stakes a little, right? Because we've seen over and over again in these movies where it's like, here's the villain, here's the good guy, and he takes him out by, you know, hitting him over the head with something. or Basically, he just has the off switch in most of these yeah. movies, right? But in this case, you know, he had the bargain. He had the bargaining chip for him, and he kept playing it over and over again, and it drove him to the point where he's like, okay, I'll <laughs> do it your way. And I, I really like what they did, and I thought it was kind of funny, and I thought it made sense for the movie. And uh, yeah, it, it was great. It's cool to have Bennett Coverbot work uh, verse himself there, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's something different. It's something that I never saw before with the keep coming back. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. The scene where he turns back time with the uh, time gem reminded me totally of Superman 1 when Superman flies around the uh, world yeah. and then it like, goes back in time. That's the first thing that hit my mind. But I really did like it because it wasn't just like, okay, like this giant CGI battle. And yeah. then, you know, so in that aspect, yeah, I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting choice and pretty different. And to me, it worked. It had a bit of the edge of tomorrow. Kind of yeah. effect too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, like that. Groundhog's Day. Bill Murray shows yeah. up. Yeah. He's like the Cubs win the World Series, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the director Scott Derrickson said they used Better Cumberbatch as the the mocap because it's supposed to be a reflection of Doctor Strange himself, right? Yeah. It's oh. That Dormammu has no use for a physical form in a place that there's no time or anything like that in the dark dimension. So he just paralleled himself off of what he's seeing in Doctor Strange, and oh. that's why we don't get kind of the big flaming skull head. Maybe oh. eventually we'll get something like that oh. down the road. But I did like Dormammu. I did like this scene. Yeah. It, was, it was really cool. I liked how they kept coming back and they kind of telegraphed this early on when mm-hmm. Wong's discussing about getting trapped in a time loop yes. and that whole Apple scene with the time gem. That was cool. Yeah. 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 Really cool, and I like the use of the time gem here. But speaking about the time gem and Infinity Stones, so the use of the time gem in here, I think it was slightly mishandled, yeah. personally, from from my perspective. I like that it wasn't used as a MacGuffin. It wasn't something that Caecilius or Dromamu was out there chasing. So that contrasted a bit from other Marvel movies where we do have them chasing the Power Gem, the Tesseract, or Loki Staff, and all that, right? Right. Yeah. The thing with the time gem that I didn't like the use of, and this comes into this scene as well as the Hong Kong kind of reversing it all, there's no consequences mm-hmm. yeah. in this, right? And it's difficult to have any sort of stakes in a movie when you can just reverse time. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to have set up some sort of boundaries that the time gem draws on power from the multiverse and by using it, you're destroying another part of the multiverse or it has some sort of adverse effects on the user itself or something to that degree because mm-hmm. you're eliminating some of the aspects, I think, going forward when Thanos gets a hold of these and eventually say Captain America dies and whoever yeah. they just turn back time yeah. so they need to set some sort of boundaries on the time gem to say this is how we can use it and we only have one wielder or something to that effect that they just can't use it or go into the effects on the time stream a bit yes. more that you know universes are folding now in on each other because they use that or or have Barrymore have a throwaway line that says like You've used this now, so we have to go and like save these universes because everything's collapsing in on itself. You just need the consequences there. Yeah, some yeah. kind of penalties. And like I mentioned to you before, it's kind of like you know, Flash does a, such a great job, at least in the comics and whatnot, handling like the Flashpoint universe and uh, the Speed Force. Right, you can't abuse it because it's a butterfly effect. Yeah, I really think they need something very similar in this 
in this universe too. And maybe we will see that in the next movie. Maybe something will come out of it and someone's dead now because he's abused it or mm-hmm. someone's brought back like a Quicksilver or somebody. Ooh, I don't know. But Interesting. But I, I hope they, there is some penalties because it would suck, you know, if they brought back Iron Man over and over again and say, oh, we, we cast Iron Man because yeah. of the time gem, yeah. right? So, oh, that's true. I never even thought of that. <laughs> they probably will do that. <laughs> probably. So, is, yeah. What did you think, Sanjay? Is that comic accurate? Like the eye of... No, uh, so that's not a gems or infinity stone. No, it's and it's the eye of Agamotto is kind of I guess holding it, and oh, okay. it's, it's the infinity stones seem to be at least in this universe they're always encased in something, whether yeah. it's the orb or the Loki scepter and that sort of thing, um, and that's just maybe so the wielder can hold it, yeah, uh, as opposed to it actually just holding the gem and exploding their hands or whatever. Right. But the eye of Agamotto is just a, it's a relic. It's Agamotto is one of the three kind of ancient sorcerers or powers in the universe that a lot of the mysticism and magic is drawn from, at least on the light side. Yep. And so you get like the orb of Agamotto, the eye of uh... Agamotto. And these are relics that do contain some sort of power and all that sort of thing. But it's not a, it's not an infinity stone in the comic book. The infinity stone is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh... Um, going off with Marvel, because they, you know, recently with their comic books, they have kind of set up uh, penalties for these heroes that have been constantly toying with the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've had it. That's why we've had the new, basically uh, all new, all different. Right, so hopefully playing off that, we will get penalties in these movies, and if not, maybe we can get Kang the Conqueror by this, right? <laughs> That'd be he's cool. a big time drifter himself. Do they have the rights to him? They do. They, okay. Oh, they should. I don't think he's a Fantastic Four guy. I no, think he's I an Avenger. He's one of. He's at least in the early few books of Avengers. Kang yeah, so I, th- I think um, we could get him show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are all the Infinity Stones found now? Nope, that is number five of six. Oh, so we're missing the soul gem or stone or whatever Ooh. it's called in this universe. So okay, so Vision has one. The Guardians the, of the Vision Galaxy. Vision has Mind Stone. Okay. Guardians or the the Nova Core have the Power Stone. Okay. The Reality Stone was the Ether. The Ether. Oh, the red one from the Dark red. World. Oh, from, Dark World. Yep. Yeah. Um, the Space Stone is the blue one, the Tesseract. Okay, from Captain America: First yeah. Avenger. And then yeah. the green, the Time Stone, and what's left is the Soul. So where's that going to show up? Or no, I don't Visions know. Is that yellow, is. I think. It's Indigo. <laughs> <laughs> so where's that going to show up? Because there's how many movies until Infinity War? Um, I can't remember. There's a handful of movies before Infinity War. Let's say three next year. So there's three movies I think before Infinity War, maybe four. Mm. The obvious place that it show up is in Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe okay. as part of Eagle the Living Planet. Like the Soul Stone is oh. part of what makes the planet sentient. Right. Mm-hmm. The Soul Stone is either I can't remember if it's the mind or the soul that's always associated with Adam Warlock, as well, which is oh, another Guardians esque character. Right. Yeah, because we wouldn't see it show up in like Wakanda. I don't think. No, no. That the was... other option is Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of using that again. Eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Use that type of MacGuffin in previous movies. So yeah. it's got to show up. They could also just leverage Infinity War for collecting the Final Stone, right? Yeah. Not really yeah. giving it a backstory or anything like that. Just saying, hey, I've got it now. <laughs> or Uncle Ben gave it to Spider Man before he died. He's like, here yeah. you go, Peter. Yeah. It's all yours. <laughs> yeah. Great power, turn, great responsibility. Turn back time, save my life. <laughs> Literally great power. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool if it showed up in Black Panther and then have like that stone like power the whole country or something like that because they're they're the advanced civilization. Yeah. But it'd be cool to see it you know come up in Infinity War as well. I, I just can't see another Infinity Stone being on Earth. On Earth, that's yeah. the thing. Like, you need to have one in another part of the universe. Mm-hmm. I know that maybe Earth is being used as this kind of nebulous for activity in the universe and all that, and that's why you have Thanos coming here to collect the majority of the Infinity Stones, but I'd like to see it used in either a Ragnarok yeah. or a Guardians. That's why it'd be cool if we had Fantastic Four, because then it could be like in the negative zone or something, yeah, right? Yeah, great. Yeah. 
Overall, what did you guys think of the action of this movie? So we talked about the visuals. We talked about the magic. How do you think it all blended together to bring a fun, action-packed comic book film? I thought they were great. There's something that you haven't seen since Inception with the whole, like, what you call it, landscape turning and, you know, Yeah, the and portal. they nailed a couple of those scenes yeah. right from Inception, right? And I think it was even better than Inception. Yep. The technology's gotten better. Um, so, like, some of those scenes where, like, the different um, buildings are moving and then, like, they tilt the whole universe. Like, that was really cool. And then there's, like, the cube of water or, like, this road. It was just really cool yeah. visuals. Uh, the fight scenes I really liked. Um, the one action thing I'd like to see more of was Doctor Strange's transformation from poor sorcerer to Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> like, that that whole sequence, like, the whole action scene... So he gets back from Mount Everest, and then the next thing you know, he's like a brilliant magician or sorcerer. And you're just like, where's the in between? Like, I would have liked to see like an 80s montage set to like music or something. Oh, like, he's on top of the mountain scene, like Adrian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, have some, yeah. <laughs> have some sort of like montage where he's like slowly gets better, where he like tries to do something and it doesn't work, and then he does it again and gets a little bit better. Something like that. I don't know. Like, maybe they didn't have to montage it up, but just something to see some progression. I just thought that was kind of rushed okay to wrap it up here post credit sequence so we've we've already discussed the bare mortal end credit sequence where we do see him walking this path to villainy and stealing the sorcerer power and kind of using it in himself so we do see this villain building for the future setting the foundation for a more well-developed villain in the doctor strange universe but the first one here was a doctor strange thor post-credit sequence I really enjoyed this scene with Thor. I thought it was a great way to segue into Thor Ragnarok. We get a little hint at what's coming down the pipe here as far as Odin and Loki and Thor's presence in New York. And this is something that we've seen from set photos for those of you that have seen them. So we do have an idea that this is coming. And I like that it appears that Doctor Strange is going to show up at least for some sort of glorified cameo in Thor Ragnarok. I agree. I mean, this film has my favorite Marvel Easter egg in this uh, Doctor Strange and Thor scene. Oh, wow. And my least favorite with the Mordor scene. (laughs) So it's kind of two ends of the spectrum. I love this scene. Everything from Thor drinking the big beer stein and then it getting filled right back up again. I thought (laughs) it was hilarious. Yeah, a little wacky. Yeah, Yeah. like that humor worked for me. I mean, you know, they're just like shooting the shit, just two guys. Like, that's totally how it would be too, right? If you had two, like beings and this much power yeah and then he's like oh and then your brother loki and then he's like so then once you get it you're gonna leave earth and he's like yep and he's like all right let's go i was like man thor ragnarok's gonna be so sick yeah well i just like tried to say like sweet and sick so it's so sick (laughs) yeah no it worked for me too i like what they did and again it's always great to see um the upcoming chemistry that dr strange is gonna have with his fellow avengers maybe right so that was always good i feel like this is kind of what shane black wanted to do with iron man 3 when Dr. Banner and Iron Man are kind of talking, because I didn't really care for that after credit scene. Yeah. So I feel like this is kind of like what they were trying to reach. And uh, yeah, Taika pulled it off in this scene here. So it is great. Short and sweet, right? Yeah. yeah. Gives a little insight as to the feel for the Thor Ragnarok movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie is turning out to be something that I cannot even put my finger on, because we saw the rap video, which had this cosmic, colorful junkyard. We see this scene, mm-hmm. which we have an earthbound Thor loki and odin with doctor strange and then we have ragnarok and hella that really gives you the sense of an apocalyptic this is a much lighter toned movie than i thought it was going to be at least from the early indications that we've gotten from what we've seen here and it may take a big tonal turn but then you also have to throw in hulk and banner in there too right so this movie is going to be packed it's very ambitious right yeah i mean they're reaching a lot of uh 
a lot of things here, and I hope they do it because yeah. uh, it's kind of like go home, go big or go home, right? It could turn out to be Amazing Spider-Man Two, or it could turn out to be Avengers. Definitely. Yep. Let's throw down our recommendations here, guys. Do you recommend Doctor Strange? Troy. Yes. Go out there and see this movie. Like I said, this is like my Marvel Cinematic Universe meets Star Wars a little bit. Great actors across the board. Great action. Awesome visuals. Probably one of the best visuals we've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah, it's, it's a must-see, man. I love this movie. It's um, pretty high up there. It's not Civil War. It's not Avengers. And it's not Winter Soldier. But, I mean, shoot. Those, that's that's pretty good to be under. So wow. it's uh, it's it's high up there for me. I really love this movie. I didn't have the best or the highest expectations going into this. I'm not much of a Doctor Strange guy, but man, I got a couple legends now of this character, and I'm 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 fully invested in the Sorcerer Supreme. So go out there and check it out, wow. and make sure it's 3D. I say check it out in the theaters. Um, it's definitely going to look better in theaters than when you bring it home on your uh, digital code or DVD or Steelbook or Blu-ray or Blu-ray 3D or VHS. 4K or VHS. Yeah. I don't have. I didn't enjoy it as much as uh, you did, Troy. For me, it's one of my weaker Marvel films. I think the visuals carried this film. The acting too was on point. Just so many uh, scenes that I was just questioning. It was definitely a good film, but was it great? Was it? You know, maybe my expectations are too high with these Marvel films nowadays. But to me, I was expecting a little bit more, and it just felt a little bit flat. Not to say I didn't enjoy it. I definitely had a good time in the theaters. But I just, uh, there's something about the film that was just lacking for me. Maybe it's just the progression or it just felt a little bit rushed. And again, the villains were poor, but the visuals were great. And acting, especially Benedict Cumberbatch, was fantastic. So if I had to give this a rating, I'd probably just give it a 6 out of 10. But I'd definitely see it in theaters because the visuals. Will you get the steel book though? Absolutely. There you go. That's all I (laughs) (laughs) I've got the Steelbook. I'm trying to get all the Marvel Cinematic movies in Steelbook. So, you know, this is a good point. This is a good time to bring up the Steelbook. So, you can already pick up the Steelbook in the UK or Germany. You can pre-order it. Um, And the rumor going around the internet is, okay, Marvel, their Steelbooks, they always like to give you objects, right? So, you had Guardians, you had the cassette. And then Ant-Man, you had, like, that little disc or that little, like, uh, memory stick. So this is what the rumor is of Doctor Strange. The Steelbook's going to be one of the Ancient Ones books. Ooh, so nice. it's going to look like you know, like the one that they got stolen, like Cassilia stole. So what are your thoughts? You know, is that a good choice with all these visuals? Do you think they should go with that? I think so. You yeah. can nicely emboss that. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I think it'll look nice. Yeah, it I makes agree. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, it looks cool. Tim, what are your thoughts? I really enjoyed this movie. I, I checked my expectations at the door yep. here. I I was really careful about watching trailers because I didn't want to spoil a lot of the visuals. And I was really happy I did that because coming into this movie, I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I knew it was going to have this Inception feel, but I was really enthralled by what they put to the screen. I agree with you, Sanjay. I think it does suffer a bit from being an origin movie, but we also have to remember this isn't Civil War. This yeah. isn't no. Winter Soldier. I think this was better than Ant-Man. Personally, I enjoyed it more. It felt like it was more in the cinematic universe. I think they were on point with introducing the mysticism, the magic. They allowed it to be somewhat grounded and allowed the general audience to understand it. I don't think they made it too complex. And what they did with the time gem and the supporting cast from Wong to Mordo to Christina Palmer, I think they nailed the supporting cast here. The villains, yes, on the weaker side, but... Sometimes with these Marvel Cinematic movies, I find that 
they've put so much emphasis and focus on developing the hero that the villain falls by the wayside. And I think that's okay for an origin story movie. It's not about the villain, right? The villain is going to be a reflection of the universe that they're building. And so they're going to use another sorcerer and that type of thing, right? So I can forgive that. The arc was great for Doctor Strange. Visually, again, fantastic. This is a high recommend for me. Like you, Troy, this isn't up in the echelon of Winter Soldier or anything like that. I never expected it yeah. to be. I think Marvel has, has got another hit on their hands. They've got another franchise here. Yeah. makes me really confident for going into Phase 4. The characters are going to be carrying this universe and taking the, the baton here from Iron Man and Captain America. I'm really happy with this. And yeah, great. Go check this out. I agree with you guys. 3D really is justified here. And one of the few movies that I will say justifies going and checking out in 3d but yeah so it looks like across the board here we have a recommend yeah i'm very intrigued <laughs> but a recommend nonetheless for doctor strange see i disagree i think ant-man was a stronger film than doctor strange you know i like the microverse the characters the humor for me worked better in ant-man than doctor strange i expected them to take doctor strange a little bit more serious than ant-man i thought of course the humor I thought the fight scenes in Ant-Man were done better, and you had a better villain in Ant-Man. So, be curious to hear your thoughts, Troy. Yeah, you know, I think this is probably my favorite origin story next to Cap. I, I like wow. it more than Iron Man. Yeah, I really like, enjoyed this movie. Wow. Iron Man's is great, but the thing is, Cap, for me, it, you know, watching Civil War and Winter Soldier makes you appreciate Cap 1 so much more than yeah. watching yeah. Iron Man 2 and 3. I agree. And I can't wait to see what we get out of Doctor Strange because right now this is my second favorite origin story. Wow. So, so you're in good hands with this, oh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> you're in good hands with this movie. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, go and check it out, man. I love this movie. All right, let us know your thoughts. Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, or, you know, if you saw Doctor Strange, let us know. Did you really enjoy the film? Is there something that you didn't like, or did you want something that you thought they could have done better? Or what did you really love about this film? Let us know your thoughts. You can tweet us. You can Facebook us. You can Foursquare us. You can write us in a Morse letter. Code. Yeah, you can Morse, Morse code. code. You yeah, can fax us in whatever. your questions. Yeah. Um, you can Pony Express us. <laughs> <laughs> you can also hit us up at hashtag into the nerd room. <laughs> like Sanjay said, our Twitter handles are at the end of the episode. That's right. See, this is why I don't do this. This is why I leave it to Tim. <laughs> you can smoke screen us. So smoke signals like in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you can also leave your comments on the YouTube page. It, that's a little bit easier than smoke signals, but we would respond to smoke signals. Yeah. We'd also really like to hear your thoughts, opinions. Did we Absolutely. miss some of the Easter eggs in here? I know there's some people that talked about a Captain Marvel Easter egg when he's kind oh. of going through the the different patients cool. about this you know younger girl that's got a chip in her head and struck by lightning. Don't really like that. I like the Cree origin for Marvel mm. or for Captain Marvel. So I'm going to mm. step away from that a little bit. I yep. think maybe people are reading into that a lot. But if there's something we missed, if you guys really enjoy this movie, if you hated this movie, let us know. We'd love to discuss that a little more on the next episode and going forward. Next week, guys, we're going to be going through all the news that we missed from the last two weeks. Specifically, the Wonder Woman trailer, the Batman Lego movie trailer. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Young Justice. Deadpool composer. Yes, Deadpool yeah. composer. Yeah. Young Justice Season oh, 3 man. coming out. Yeah. Marvel just dropped a whole bunch of new number ones. So we're going to have a lot Ooh. of stuff to wrap up and discuss next week. So make sure to tune back in on Thursday. And if you're a fan of Star Wars, specifically Star Wars Rebels... <laughs> We have another podcast that airs every single Monday that discusses Star Wars Rebels, each new episode, as well as kind of goes into the larger context of Star Wars from time to time, as we do have a tendency to go on little side tangents into the novels, comic books, and films. Lots and lots of good stuff to talk about, guys, so be sure to tune in on Monday and Thursday to get your uh, your, your nerd fix. Yes. Yeah. Same bat time, same bat channel.
It's been an absolute pleasure discussing Doctor Strange. You know, this is like the first movie you've enjoyed, Tim, since Civil War. <laughs> I enjoy some films. I find myself maybe overly critical sometimes. But all right, guys, until next week for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. Door closed, you will. See, that's the Yoda. That's the Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars reference in the Doctor Strange episode. Stranger things have happened. Sprinkle a little bit of that Star Wars flavor in here, right? Oh, yeah. We are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts, Tim, Sunday, and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, 1912 Podcasting, and Troy, the boy 87 